I was terrified that you were going to show up with a Vision Pro on. <laughs> I should have. That would have been much better. <laughs> and then I was just going to be like, no. <laughs> no, do no, no. over. Yeah, we're not doing End call. Doing yeah, just just immediate hang up. Just, we are not we are not doing that. Yeah, mine's supposed to come tomorrow, but even though lunch day as we record was a couple weeks ago, because apparently I have an undesirable face shape. So my face was backward. I find your face shape to be perfectly lovely. Well, apparently in Cupertino it's seen yeah. as as unfavorable. Fun fact, before the 1800s, it was known that birds tended to go away in the winter, but it wasn't known where they went. Theories over the years included the birds were hibernating, the birds were living underwater, the birds were turning into other birds, or even the birds were turning into mice. Okay. I I mean, you probably ordered that in order of what you considered the most fun and ridiculous. But I, I have to say the birds were going underwater. <laughs> I think is my favorite of that list. I feel like going underwater is a thing, a bird you could like plausibly biologically do. Whereas a bird turning into a mouse does seem to me more implausible. Why would a bird but turn the bird into going underwater birds eat anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that would be, yeah. But the birds going underwater is pretty good, too. But like, if you just think about it from the perspective of someone who's like, well, I can't see the birds. Where could they have gone? We yeah. look around. I'm like, I guess they're I guess they're underwater. But like, why was them going underground? Not a thing. Not a like that seems to me more plausible. Yeah. I, we have a book. Uh, is this is punching down. Like we have all this science now. Yeah. We're just making fun of the scientists. The people from the past. They haven't figured it all out. Yeah, no, we have a book. Uh, my, you know, my my children are both dinosaur loving kids, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, we have a book. I bought them a book from my childhood that I really enjoyed, uh, called uh, "If the Dinosaurs Came Back," which is mm. a really fun book about what all of the advantages of the dinosaurs existing now might be, like like oh, okay, taking sure. you to work or uh, sure, helping yeah. firefighters and things like that. And then and I was like, like plow. yeah, exactly. And then I was like, there's a sequel book that I never read as a child because. Of course, I didn't have access to Amazon.com as a child yeah, and things of that nature. And the book is called Where Did the Dinosaurs Go? I think it's what it's called. And it's just a bunch mm. of hilarious theories as to what might have happened to the dinosaurs. Like sure. maybe they're all playing hide and seek. Maybe they're all yeah, wearing they're disguises. Maybe they yeah. all went to jail. Maybe, they, they built like, a spaceship and flew maybe off. Maybe they all <laughs> left. And I feel like this is kind of the same level of scientific rigor as where where do the birds go maybe they all go underwater maybe they become other birds which is also extremely confusing to me i guess are there i guess there are birds that were like i'm picturing like say london this feels like a london type of thing and there's like it's funny that you say that because a bunch of these speculations were specifically like like a british yeah i don't know why but this just sounded like british naturalism to me so um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, it, so like I'm picturing London and they're like, oh, all of the geese are gone, but all of the mm-hmm. pigeons are still here. Maybe the geese became pigeons, Yeah. <laughs> which I mean, you know, like as we've said, I think on past episodes in this vein, this is really like almost a corner at this point of like things that people used to think cause they didn't mm-hmm. have any of the tools we have. Aren't they silly? But like, of course the next logical thought is 
what are all the things where we're that dumb? Yeah, there's there's some things that in a hundred years they'll be like fun fact: yeah. people used to believe that you know whatever vitamins did the yeah, people <laughs> used to believe it was know, totally fine to just have a bunch of people with no homes and no money just wandering the streets all the time is that too yeah, real and then all they right. just tolerated that yeah uh, people yeah. drove cars yeah exactly but it's um, like you know the, the theory there is that you can't even we couldn't even come up with an answer on this show of those things because they're so ingrained in our like yes context that we don't even know how to see outside of them now so to be fair to the these 1700 scientists the sev- the technology of the 1700s yeah. and, and scientific understanding yeah. uh bird migration is something that had been observed like even go back to ancient naturalists and yeah, i mean did they not just follow a bird like people used to wander around well i mean like birds tend to fly so it's like it can be inconvenient you just just tail them because like you didn't have like you couldn't go fast you know, a helicopter yeah. So, but but you would you would see like there'd be ancient accounts of like somebody and just seeing a whole bunch of birds all flying overhead in the same direction, yeah. right? So it was known that birds would just kind of en masse move to other places sometimes, um, but it hadn't been accepted as like that's like the complete explanation of them going away. So like Aristotle, for example, had written about migration, like that birds sometimes move from some place to another, but also thought that some kinds of birds hibernated and some kinds of birds transformed into other species. So it's like he had the explanation there. And then you get to the point, I mean... But it seems too simple to him. For some reason, and I don't really know why I'm... I feel like I'm on Tangent Island tonight already, but (laughs) do, do you remember like early in the pandemic days when like, Certain people who were not super historically trained as sure. scientists, like Zeneb mm-hmm. Tufekci, I'm going in probably a different direction than you think I am. Uh, we're like, oh, okay. oh, I think this is actually aerosol, uh, 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 you know, an aerosol oh, situation. Oh, I see. And all of the yeah, yeah. accepted scientists were like, that's not how viruses get transmitted. It's all on services. Yeah. And I was cleaning groceries for like months upon months. Yes. And then it turns out. But then it turns out the people who were like kind of at a bit of an outside view, but using common sense were able to surpass the like industry standard view right which they things. just hadn't reevaluated since certain uh, some time in the past and now yeah, they're like, like decades and decades oh lots of things are actually like that and we just had yeah. no idea yeah or in like and and there was some scientists just like there was scientists in the migration who are like, no, I'm pretty sure like the birds just all migrate, but like it never became the dominant view in the same way that there were scientists over the decades who were like, I'm pretty sure aerosols act, uh like or like aerosolization and air transfer is like how a lot of these viruses are spreading in certain contexts it makes more sense and there was just no no it was droplets like was the dominant thing yeah. and you were yeah yeah were, because some big time scientists i mean oftentimes you know in areas where aristotle got it wrong no one questioned aristotle for like an extraordinarily long time because mm-hmm. they're just like mm-hmm. it's aristotle aristotle like, i mean he's, he seemed like a smart he's guy. so right you know so there was eventually something, though, that kind of closed the book on this. I feel like in the 1700s, they could have just, speaking of things that would close the book, I feel like they had the technology at that point to just be like, oh, it looks like they're going east. And then, like, send a letter to someone to the east to be like, hey, did you see any And be birds? like, is there a bunch of sparrows there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's plan for this for yeah. next year. I'm going to look for sparrows, and then you look for sparrows. What you've just described there is, like, something that I, th- I think, have we talked about iodization, iodization of salt on the Pro- show before? Probably. So this is like the, uh, you know, in the, I think it was 1800s, maybe people would get 
and before people would get goiters, which is like these like big growth on your neck um, from your thyroid being. And, and the solution to that is just it was just iodine deficiency. And so the solution to that was depending on where you live and what your diet was or whatever, you get this iodine deficiency. The solution is just put iodine in the salt. Um, but and that was like known by some scientists for like 100 years before it was like totally accepted by everybody. Right. And so in the same way, that's just like two people. There were individuals who would like write letters to one another and be like, oh, yeah, there's birds. And then oh, there's birds. And someone would be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the same birds moved. But then people would be like, ah, that's bullshit. Or like maybe for those birds. But like it didn't cause a complete like it didn't cause consensus. Yeah, It can be pretty crazy to live at one of those boundaries because like the story that comes to mind always for me is that my mother when she was a child her parents sent her to a dentist who just didn't believe in anesthetic (sighs) and so she and she had like a lot of teeth problems as a child and they had to do all kinds of drilling and they did it with no medicine because he just didn't didn't believe in it didn't believe it it. existed people had it dentists were using it he was just old school he's like i don't think they need i've been doing this a long time they don't need that yeah so much pain that could have been avoided so, so there was, um, thankfully, in the case of the birds, I think mostly for the most part, not much suffering caused, but definitely confusion, uh, until 1822, when a white stork was found in Germany that had embedded in its neck a 30-inch long spear, which had originated from Central Africa. Hold on, a 30-inch, so that's like two and a half feet long yeah a two foot long spear was like stuck through its neck but yeah. it survived alan held and up a flew. lot shorter than two feet with his hands he held up like a like maybe one foot you know i don't know a canadian <laughs> um well i wanted it to fit in this frame of the video so so this bird gets the stork gets to to germany, germany. with a with a two and a half foot long African, African spear, spear in neck, which neck. is, by the way, impressive. Right. Impressive. And so they were like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in Africa. Yeah. We don't have those I'm here. pretty sure the storks were here. We noticed the storks were here. Then they were gone. And then they came back. Where did they go? And we came back with a spear that we don't have here. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. They went to Africa. They went to Africa. Uh, and so this famous bir- bird, which was then first referred to as the Falstorch. Or arrow stork uh, gave the first concrete evidence of migration, and then since then, now that they look out for them, there have been found other arrow storks that have shown the uh, evidence of uh, where those crazy birds were going. I cannot believe. And now we can like it's GPS a long flight stuff, with a with a spear yeah. through you. Yeah, I mean, poor bird. Yeah, I know. So that you said no suffering, but the bird suffered. Yeah, but it suffered for science. Yes, it's true. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. pretty crazy. The final center settled where all those birds were going. Yeah. Not underwater. No. They were just going south. To Germany. Wait, no, that's when or they came back. Africa. Well, it depends. if you're an African scientist, they went to Germany. Yeah, yeah. German scientist, they went to Africa. I have a science fact for you, my friend. You have a science fact? I love I it. I do. Uh, it it I, It's caused me some consternation. Since I learned this, uh, hmm. because I'm going to have to... It's a disappointing science fact. No, it's not disappointing. I just have to reevaluate how I make all of the most important decisions in my life. Oh, okay. Well, this seems like important information. Completely change the way... I mean, I'm talking about like the most important decisions. This is fundamental. It, it, cha- really. it changes everything. Okay. So... I'm, I'm sitting down. Fun fact. Coin toss flips aren't perfectly random after all. 
Ah, no. Yeah, yeah. Too yeah. much. Too much depends on this. Art. I know. Just, just hours ago, as we record, the Super Bowl had a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. It decides everything. And this is this is life and death stuff here. So they've suspected this since coincidentally, at least the 18th century. Uh, okay. But uh, the tediousness of doing enough coin flips to prove <laughs> it was long considered uh, impractical. Uh, until an, I feel like isn't that what grad students are for? Well, you say that an enterprising PhD candidate in psychology, interestingly enough, at the University of Amsterdam decided he was going to be the one to make it happen. At first, he struggled to find enough volunteers because he said no one wanted to spend all of their weekends flipping coins. But and and that's because the 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 theory was the effect size was like like instead of it being 50 50 it's like 50.0 or 50.001 to 49.9 we'll we'll get to that well that that that, that's coming yeah uh i mean this is a big it's actually 60 40 and we just like haven't noticed Uh, this is a big big deal so finally he found 47 volunteers from six different countries and it took them multiple weekends, including one 12-hour session, which sounds Flip-a-thon. incredibly tedious. But so they they, they flipped a coin, a, a combined total of 350,757 times. And their goal was specifically to prove a, a 2007 theory that coin flips would display a bias towards the side that you started flipping from. And the reason mm. for that was that it was thought that the path the coin takes through the air doesn't turn perfectly on a symmetrical axis, but wobbles a bit off center. And so they okay. actually spend slightly more time in the air on their upside. Okay. Yeah. And as I said, this changes everything. Uh, the odds are you know, dramatically different. They found out that in fact, I mean, you were wrong. I will say you were, you underestimated the impact we're talking about here. The coin will land on its initial side. 50.8% of the time. 50.8 yeah that's almost a one percent bias that's meaningful yes that's meaningful yes yes the horrors i mean like that actually probably has implications yes that's what i'm saying to you the title of the article <laughs> i read said scientists destroy illusion that coin toss flips are 50 50 and i'm telling you alan pike my illusions are destroyed i feel like that has to have been known like if that was if that was reproducible, if fifty one percent of yeah. thing for coin flips land on the side that you started on, there has to have been a con artist grifter scammer. Well, there might be has found yeah. that because I feel like you you do not need to flip a hundred and forty seven thousand or however many times to you could you could you and I could find that out in an afternoon. Well, so it turns out that one percent is uh, essentially irrelevant in small enough sample sizes, like flipping a coin once. And also, you can mitigate this problem by just not looking at which side the coin is on before you throw it. Yeah, but then, uh, to some degree, you can also then just, like, you, you the game can become just, like, you just look at a coin. Oh, it was heads. Yeah, yeah. You know what I but mean? But still, 51%, as the article points out, is better odds than you than a casino has when you play six-deck blackjack. So you could definitely nefarious uh, it up if you wanted to. Uh, by the way, I, I asked, <laughs> I asked chat GPT, uh, to come up with a headline for this fact, like a fun fact okay. quote, and it doesn't right. clearly not really understand the, uh, doesn't really get our the format. format. No, but what, what, what chat GPT decided I should say is fun fact, heads or tails more like heads and tails of slight bias. 
<laughs> which is so good that I wish I still wrote for like my college newspaper. Yeah. Because that is okay. incredible. I, I also did ask, in case you were wondering, you didn't ask me if the coin toss in a vacuum could avoid these problems. Oh, yeah. Okay. Does that make difference? And it suggested that it would not because while that would remove one variable, there would still be like the conditions of the flip, the physical imperfections of the coin, and the characteristics of the surface it lands on. So perfection remains unobtainium. Yeah, but it sounds like maybe the vacuum, like maybe air is a substantial portion. Yeah, like it would, it would potentially to... avoid the wobble, this this yeah. particular part of the bias. Yeah. I've always assumed that also like coins generally, like when they, when they mint a coin, they're not like trying to make sure that the head and the tail have the exact same Perfectly number of identically. Yeah, the center. There might be a design difference that causes size. Yeah. I mean, so, but I agree with you. I think fifty-one percent, like we're, that's real. Yeah, that, that to me that means that the Super Bowl is null and void, and uh, whichever team won that fine sporting event should have to return their ill-gotten gains and i'm acting like i don't know who won i didn't watch the game but somehow somehow i do still know who won. it was taylor swift's team one i mean taylor swift won a, a long time ago everything yeah <laughs> like no one has won more in recent decades than taylor swift has so and she's just getting compounding returns on yeah, yeah. anyway so i like i said i've been reevaluating everything because i made every every important life decision with a coin toss like uh you know should I should I have two kids? Should I get married? Should I uh, should I take this job? Should I move to this house? All coin tosses, and now I know. But you know, in some sense, maybe that means that I really, you know, when I when I set up the coin, I already kind of knew what, what I wanted to have happen. I feel like most people put the side up the thing that they want. That's what I'm saying. If you if you do purposely do it, they'll make that the side. That's up. what I'm saying. So it turns out I actually wanted all of these wonderful things I have. So go me. Also, I am of course joking, but I I do think this is pretty crazy because to your point, like you assumed it was going to be like fifty point zero zero something, and then it's like okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that funny, silly close. scientist? Fifty one percent is a big deal. I feel like that's going to have to be in the next Batman movie. Oh yeah, the two face is like gonna flip a coin, not, and Batman's like, "Don't you know it's like fifty one percent? It's not actually fifty fifty. He's gonna save the city because Two Face knows that, and he, the fact that he also knows that is gonna be how he prevents some horrible disaster. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so you can write me a royalty check when that movie gets. I mean, I, I will definitely be writing you a royalty check. No, regardless of what actually happens, I'm going to write you a royalty <laughs> check. It might not be for the amount you're expecting, but I will write you one. It has to be at least fifty point oh one eight oh eight uh, of percent of, of something of the of amount of something. money I make on that movie. <laughs> so, okay, uh, yeah, I want more than half of my money that I'm going to make on this movie that I don't have anything to do with. You got it. Fun fact: <laughs> the limit for how much G force the human body can withstand varies greatly depending on what direction you're being accelerated. With downward acceleration being 10 times as dangerous as forward acceleration. Okay, yeah. So my initial thought was like, is he talking about like east, west, north, south? But no, you're saying... No, the, no. The, east, the, west does not make a difference. It is about the, the axis of your body. Go, people don't want to be thrown to the ground. People do not want to be launched downwards. Is better than being launched downwards. Right. Yeah. Which you, there's some intuition to that. So like 
I, I'm saying in terms of safety, G-forces, like uh, at what point will you pass out? At what point will you die? Right. The, the, it makes a huge difference. You, you would much rather be accelerated forward than be launched downward. But also, if you just imagine being accelerated forward, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's called a roller and coaster. Being ex- it's called like a roller coaster or like launching in, a, in an electric car or, or whatever, you know accelerating forward up to a limit it's like hey this is really fun whereas being accelerated downward even just falling at 1g which is basically just is just falling like that's fairly unpleasant to most people and that's 1g right like that's not even any like special acceleration that's barely even a g it's it's just the barest that's the smallest whole number of g's one could have it very much is, and that is um, that. That's already you're halfway to the limit. So two G's you get is the limit. Two G's of falling, yeah. like so. Basically, you're falling at twice the gravity. Or if we were on a planet with double the gravity of Earth, and you start falling, that's the point where like people will like, start to pass out. Okay, because Remind blood me. just like rushes to your brain. You have way too much blood in your brain. I mean, not to jump off your brain anything like. tall on a planet with double the gravity of Earth. It doesn't matter how tall it is because the gravity the acceleration is the same right but it the time would have the impact yeah the time that's true yeah i mean also it's probably not a super great idea to f- jump off tall things well, and but fall i mean tall to- is relative i'm saying like if i jumped off like something where here i would fall for two seconds and then be fine and then there yeah. i'd fall for two seconds and be passed out on the ground mm-hmm. it's not great yeah yeah and so then you end up with like then even interesting things I hadn't really thought about the orbital mechanics piece of this, but like when, when you're, when you're like doing, um, like, you know, they say called the, the vomit comet, where it's like the plane Who where it goes up what? to the give what you what now the vomit comet. It's like the, the plane that they use to test, like give you, um, a feeling of weightlessness, like the, the, for is like this NASA how they test whatever? if you're going to have, have motion sickness as an astronaut? Well, you're going to probably have a you know, she's saying this. It's how you get used to it. Oh. Is they, they go up and this this plane flies up. John Syracuse needs to try this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would love it. <laughs> John Syracuse doesn't want to leave his house. So to like, be on the bottom comment. But, you know, uh, I would pay. I would donate to that. I would Patreon. Yeah, that's if that's a Patreon. If anyone has a GoFundMe out yeah. there for that, let me know. The problem with John is that we could raise the money and he still wouldn't do it. But uh we could try although i don't know I mean, he might have a soft spot for the nasa astronaut a, thing. we've gotten way spacey, off we've gotten I feel like he's spacey i feel like so but when you do that when you're doing the the sort of zero uh with like weightlessness is actually falling right but you're falling towards earth which is one g and so if you are falling towards a super earth like a planet with twice the gravity don't like um, a super then earth. then it would be bad. Don't make a super. Yeah. I guess is the moral Elon, of this story. If you're thinking Earth. like, should I make? He would totally. He that. would. He absolutely would make a super. Earth, yeah. Whereas if you are accelerating forward, the limit is more like twenty g, ten to twenty. Now is are down and to... forward the only ones with different ones, or are up and back also no, different? No, there's there's a the variety in between. It would those seem two to streams. me that back would be worse than like forward. Seems like it would be the best. Forward is the best. Being accelerated, so you're looking towards the direction of acceleration, which also makes some evolutionary sense. Like if you're running, you're moving forward. Yeah, we're designed like, to go forward. That's, we're designed to that's go forward. That's the thing we do best. Then you're seeing where you're going. Going backward is the is the next best. Yeah, that makes though. sense. Um, and if you just like you're sitting on a train, you know, there's the forward and the yeah, you you're constantly forward going forward and backwards, mostly forward. Yeah. Um, going lateral is meh. It's like. You know, like left and right. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, bad. It's, it's lateral, to be honest. Yeah, 
is <laughs> lateral. Um, being accelerated upward, like you're getting launched up, is the next to worst. Okay, how much worse is how much better? I mean, what's the difference? It's like where where falling, it's like two G's is the limit. Go, being launched up is about five G's. Okay, that's better. So it's about twice as good. <clears throat> and if you if you've ever been on the Tower of Terror ride at Disney, I have. It doesn't exist where anymore. You're but getting, yes, I have. Well, now it's called Guardians, Guardians of, of the Galaxy Who cares? Mission it's terrible Breakout. now. Why did they do that? Yes, indeed. <laughs> they ruined a great thing. But if you've been on one of these elevator-style rides where you're getting going up, down, up, down, then you will um, feel substantially more unpleasant. How many Gs am I doing? Uh, well, I think it's just slightly over one. Okay, like 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah, because I think it accelerates you down a little bit. Um, but it's not much faster than just falling freely. And even that's like pretty unpleasant. Like it's exciting. Yeah, your or stomach is not happy. Your even if like, you your body's like, are not, a, I'm, I am extremely unprone to motion sickness. And even still, you do notice for sure. Yeah. Whereas when you're launched up, at least for me, and I think this is a common experience, the part where you're launched up, it's not as unpleasant as the part where you fall. And that maps to your body's limits for the up and the down. Turbulence can get like that on a plane. Where it's yes. like your stomach feels, to me it feels like your stomach is still in the place it was, but now your body is someplace else. And then your stomach is like moving to catch up. Yeah. It's not a pleasant feeling. Or at least it feels that way. That's what I'm saying. I don't uh, think I learned true, about all this stuff. I will link um, from the, uh, in the show notes. There's a wonderful XKCD what if. Uh, always good. Uh, Always yeah, good. always fascinating. Yeah. It's definitely the way my brain works. Like, what if this extremely hypothetical thing that's not important to even consider? Let's work through all the logical conclusions. And so, Kurtz uh, is also they, really good at that. Yes, Kurtz also does that. Um, but XKCD went through the what if uh, NASCAR had no rules in terms of how you designed the cars or anything? What's the literal fastest you could go around the track? And they they very quickly the limit was like before the human would just die from the g-forces which is actually like you wouldn't even get to go twice as fast around the track as the current world record of that nascar track before the person would just die have you seen the video where (laughs) or pass out at least where the where this guy was like okay i'm way behind in this race i have no chance of winning i'm just gonna do like the video game move where he like drove the car basically into the barrier and caught it and like rode along the track side. No, past everyone. I've done that in video games, but I have not done. I did not realize. And now it's against. And it works. Yes, and now it's against the rules. rules. But he did it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's you should watch it because it is pretty great. Yeah, definitely. I played uh, when you play like the Gran Turismo games and stuff like that, which of course I was not very good at. Um, but I, I went as soon as I learned that at least in the games in like the PS2, PS3 era, they didn't model damage to the cars. Yeah. So if you would just, well, they weren't allowed to. Oh, like like Ferrari didn't want a damage. Yeah, Ferrari they didn't want the anyone to see their cars be damaged. Right. Okay. Well, the consequence of that is that I'm like, oh, it's way faster just to, instead of slowing down into this corner, I'm just going to ricochet off another Ferrari and then just go off way faster than them with like no consequence to me. Um, you know, there are consequences in real life. This is not, uh, this is not driving advice, but I, I hear you, you asked. Alan has given you all terrible driving advice. What's up? You asked, what is the record for g-forces yeah. that somebody I don't has survived. know if i asked that but i'm I, yeah you did totally did ask that I question will. what's the record um, for g-forces where someone survived i'm glad you asked it was 25 g is the longest somebody has survived for a full second uh and that was in forward acceleration death can af- occur uh um, 20 i thought so you 25 said. 20 20 is the limit before you start to pass okay. out 
25 is what somebody has done for full second without passing out. 50 is where death can occur. Um, and it varies by person and direction. So I have 48, sort of I would be passed out, but potentially alive. Yes. Wow. It depends about the, the time makes a big difference because obviously depending on the direction, but with all the directions, it's like blood flow not being the right places in your body, your brain. And so the amount of time, of course, matters a lot. Um, but there is the record of total survived forces for any amount of recorded time is that there was a IndyCar racer that had 214 G on his body in during a crash and survived well enough to make a comeback and like not in that race, but like to come back to racing wow. like 18 months later and like had full functioning. 200 more or less G's. Of, but if that had been going downwards, yeah. he would have been. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, good. Would have been no good. good but it, was, it, it was lateral. So, so yeah. So it makes a difference. And so that's why you make a, if you're astronauts, you're getting launched. You don't, if, if you, you have the astronauts getting like sitting in um, the, the space shuttle or the rocket or whatever, and they're, they're looking facing forward, forward as to they be go launched. up. Yeah. But if instead they had laid them out so they were like feet first, they would pass out. <laughs> well, that's probably why they didn't do that. <laughs> they're pretty smart over <laughs> it's there. It's probably not the only reason they didn't do that. Uh, but I, I, my son was asking at bedtime tonight uh, what Saturn looks like. And I said, oh, yeah, we have pictures. Cool. And I said, you know, and he said, how do we have pictures? And I said, well, NASA sent a, a, a spaceship, you know, and then the spaceship took pictures and then and then and then I, I have the pictures. And then he said, why did she do that? And I said, <laughs> oh, NASA's not a person. And then he said, did you steal the photos? How, why do you have the photos? Which is not I'm like, why does he think that I steal things? But at any rate, I love those mental model conversations that you have with a kid, though, where you'll say something that you don't think assumes a whole lot of context. I knew and he knowledge. didn't know what NASA was, but I didn't. I knew he didn't know what NASA is, but but like you assume that like that he would assume NASA was like a group or an organization or something that wasn't an individual, yeah. and you also assumed that he had a mental model that photos can be like copied. Well, I, without I think stealing my the biggest surprise like, was that he was focused on the mechanics of how how and why I had the photo. And not mm -hmm. what does it look like and what did they find? You know, like it, it was less about what Saturn looks like and more about how I had the photos and now no one else had the photos. And and I if I forget, he didn't say steal at first. He said you t he didn't he didn't actually accuse me of stealing. I shouldn't say that. He said it, you took them. You didn't steal them or something like that. And then now you have them. And NASA gave she gave them to you. And I said, no. Well, there's also sometimes you might have had a language. Why? Well, assuming you were speaking in English. That you've like, you might say, oh, NASA took a photo, but then the, you're using the word take a photo, which means like capture a photo, but then also it's like. Yeah. But you know, in German, you, you say make a photo. And is that what you were speaking? I don't remember, okay. uh, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, but uh, he. Make a photo is probably a better. Yeah. It's word. weird that we don't say that in English because you just aren't. And, and I, I think it's funny because a bunch of pretentious photographers. They say make because okay, they sure. say I'm not take implies that I'm not an artist. I make a photo uh, and I'm like <laughs> and I hate that. But then in every other language I speak, you say make. So, yeah, it's fascinating. I have a another science fact for you. This is an I like this is a science fact science episode. Fact episode. This is a follow up fact to okay. our previous episode. So I'm going to assume that you have full context in what I'm about to say. And that is you can remind me which fact fun was fun fact 
They found the thing in the place. They found the thing in the place. They found the thing. I, it was in the place. I totally... So, so this was in space. It tastes like raspberries, but we didn't know where exactly. Is You're not that far. That was the you're other fact. that far <laughs> off, actually. So <laughs> in our last episode, we discussed why the center of our galaxy would taste like raspberries. Oh, it is that fact. And smell it from. It is that fact. Yeah, they found the thing in the place. But we also just mentioned that this important research, this incredibly important Super impactful of what space tastes like was found while they were looking for amino acids in interstellar space. Oh, yeah. Something that would mm-hmm. potentially suggest how the origin of life formed. And that article right. was from 14 plus years ago. So right. you had said at the time, or maybe I had said, oh, I should go and find out if anything has happened yes. in that search. Did they find the amino acids? Did they find it? And I'm happy to report, fun fact, they found the thing in the place. So... In, and, in fact, it was only in June of last year. Ah. A researcher whose name is Susanna Iglesias-Groth found tryptophan in the Perseus Molecular Cloud Complex, which is not far from here, in fact. Uh, and I mean literally where I'm sitting. No, it's not far from Earth. And it's the first time that we've ever found one of the essential amino acids to make proteins in space. Huh. It's worth noting that tryptophan so, is probably the thing that your mind says is in Turkey yes, that makes you it's sleepy. It's the turkey sleepy thing, but then apparently that was a Which, myth or something. first of all, is a myth. Tryptophan is in lots of things, and it's not even particularly high in Turkey. What makes you sleepy with the turkey is that you eat too much you at Thanksgiving. But I will yeah. say, <laughs> if you go to the Perseus Molecular Cloud, I'm suggesting just be, to be extra careful, even though they say it's a myth. Just drink a lot of coffee before you go. You know, the yeah, tryptophan might, sure you might, might bring it. you down. In the same uh, space where they found the tryptophan, they also found water. Carbon dioxide, hydrogen cyanide, acetylene, benzene, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, and fullerenes. So, yeah. Okay. This, apparently, this suggests... Hydrocarbons Hydrocarbons on Earth, I I think... You tell me if this is true or if you... And you're understanding. Hydrocarbons on Earth exist primarily because they came from biology, like from life, right? Like... like our hydrocarbons that we use like for fuel and stuff came from dinosaurs yeah. obviously Exploding and other dinosaurs. plant life that right so it's like not to say that hydrocarbons always came from life because i think there's hydrocarbons on do we talk about there's like some moons in our solar system that have like methane and stuff like that there but definitely it are. sounds like you've got some complicated hydrocarbons going on there that's complicated yeah yes indeed so i'm gonna say as a as a phd astrozoologist <laughs> Yeah, bio zoologist yeah. that I am. Yeah, as you are. I'm going to say there's definitely life out there in that whatever well, the place so is. That you hydrocarbons, first of all, are an organic compound, as you said. Uh, so, yeah, apparently this suggests that amino acids might be common in the gas clouds that stars and planets form from. Mm. And that, therefore, star-forming regions are likely to be predisposed to have the elements to create life. I love that. Yeah. I love that, too. That's super cool. That makes me say yay for science. Uh, To answer your question, the Perseus molecular cloud is, quote-unquote, nearby, which means it's roughly a 1,000 light years from here, giant molecular cloud in the constellation of Perseus and contains over 10,000 solar masses of gas and dust, covering an area of 6 by 2 degrees. So there you go. It looks invisible for the most part unlike the well well-known orion molecular cloud but uh two yeah. areas where low mass stars are formed are visible and it is very bright at mid and far infrared wavelengths and in the sub millimeter 
originating in dust heated by the newly formed low-mass stars. Well, that that answers all the questions I had I, about There's nothing that else you nebula. would need to know now, because I've told you. Yeah. This is a function. If I did have questions, they have just been purged out of my brain by that. Yeah, this is one <laughs> of my, sheer one of my of least favorite things about Wikipedia, hmm. uh, as much as it gives so much, especially to this particular show, is that they usually write science articles from the perspective that you are a like extremely mm. extremely educated person on the topic that that you're they're talking about and never put it in any sort of layman's terms ever and so you're just like looking at this yeah. article like i don't know what essentially any of the things i just said mean like <laughs> i don't even know what six by two degrees means like for the area like you th- degrees of what degrees of this our sky degree like latitude like 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 yeah Mm, like like imagine the sky is 360 degrees all around the the world okay and so then if you man if you drew a lines out from an observer on earth by like a one degree based on how far away it is they'd be it'd be bigger or smaller so if something is two degrees of our of the night sky then that's how big it appears to us. And so if it was twice as far away, it would need to be twice as big or four times as big or five bigger. Right? You know, it'd have to be bigger if it's further in order to, to, to take up that much of it. That's a relative size, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, relative to the position of an observer, which is us in this. To the thousand light years away or whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's, Two degrees of our, if it's thousands of light years away and it's two degrees of our sky, then it's big. Yeah, but I just don't feel like that is a useful, see, this is more useful. It's over 500 light years across. Yeah, that's useful in absolute. I find that more helpful, but also it's very pretty. Whereas like the moon for context is like half a degree, uh, half a degree. But that is useful context. So that's, yeah. That's useful context. So if you're like, if this thing is two degrees, it's like four times as big as the moon. Oh, wait, look at that little thumbnail I just sent you because it's quite pretty. Ooh, this is in like non-visible light, but it looks yeah, this pretty is, epic. It this looks is, like uh, some badass stuff is going very on Very cool. Here. I guess star formation Extremely is Extremely cool. So. Yeah, this is infrared light. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. I love it. Yeah. We'll look at it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. So if you want to taste turkey, go to the yeah, and then get some rum afterwards. Swing over. Yeah. And uh, you're good to go. It'll be delicious. Yep.